Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. everyone, welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, and Brandon Funston here with you on Thursday, July 22nd. Uh, getting very, very excited, you guys. I'm in like four best ball drafts right now that are all ongoing. Uh, it just it feels like fantasy football season really is here uh, now that we have gotten, you know, the NBA finals are over, the NHL finals are over. Regular season baseball is the only other sport that's going on right now, so it just feels like NFL is really taking center stage in a big way. We've got training camps underway, which is what we're going to talk about here. Uh, what's going on, guys? What's going on going into this weekend? How you guys doing? Yeah, it's, you said it wrong, though. This isn't the, this isn't fantasy football season. You should know that. Kickoff weekend is flex weekend. Get it right. <laughs> what's that in? <laughs> two, three weekends? Two weekends. Week two and weekends. a half. Yeah. It's, a week, it's the weekend from this weekend coming up. It's the official quote-unquote launch of the fantasy football draft season. That's what it's been tagged for the past two years. So get it right. You're you're early. We're the, we're the crazy well, ones. That's yeah, that's what I'm that's how excited I am. That's how pumped up I am for the start of this season and for a normal season to be here. Right? Last year we we had the uh, pandemic season and it was great that we had the season at all and had a normal-ish season, but this year we're back to a truly normal season in the NFL. And what does that mean, guys? That means training camps are underway. We didn't really have training camp the way that we are accustomed to last season. We do have that this season. A handful of teams have already gotten started in their training camps. Every team will be started uh, by next Wednesday. Next Wednesday is the latest day, and like something like 26 or 27 of the teams in the NFL are starting next Wednesday. So I thought we could take a step back, take a look at the training camps across the league, uh, since there are 32, obviously, we've got to split them up into two episodes. Today, we're going to do the NFC, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to hear a lot, right? We're going to hear a lot of talk over this next couple of weeks from coaches, and a lot of it's not really going to matter. But some of it is, and it's good to try to anticipate the things that could come out of camps that will indeed matter. That's what we're going to do here on this episode and our next episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. The things that we will be looking for across the league that will matter in fantasy leagues, will matter in our drafts. If we hear this, if we see this, that's the thing that sets off the alarm bells and says, I think differently about this team, I think differently about this player. That's what we're going to try to find and anticipate here on this episode, starting, as I said, in the NFC. So everyone good? We all we got that yeah. all down? Did you, did you listen to my, was that was yeah. because you listened to my last guest spot with Chris Harris? <laughs> is that I mean, I do it? have I do have a Google alert set for every single Jake Seeley um, appearance on anything <laughs> that he does, but I missed that one. <laughs> no, 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 to all credit, like this, I love doing these shows because he does the same thing around this time, and that was what his is. Is like what you just said is like we're gonna hear a ton of crap, 
what's going to like what could possibly affect our opinion at this point where it's tangible mm-hmm. for us to take back yep. well i guess maybe tangible is not the right but well, you know what I'm saying, we can't put our finger <laughs> something that is better word. <laughs> yeah something that's gonna be because there will be things there really like 95 to 98 percent of what we hear the next month is gonna even if it like matters for a team in real life it's not really gonna change in a material way the way that you're approaching player x or player y right in your drafts. There are that those few things though that do change. And we're going to name a bunch of things here that maybe won't happen. You know, we're just talking about the things that if this happens, it will matter. If we hear this, it will matter. It will change how we think about these certain players. So let's get to it guys. Let's jump Right in. Um, I, I should say we're also taking a break from Guess That Player because we've got 16 teams to get through. That's going to be a long enough show as it is. So we're going to take a break. We'll get back to that after we're done looking at all 32 teams. Um, it's the NFC. Let's start with the defending Super Bowl champions. And we're going to go division by division. So we'll uh, go through the NFC South first. And the Buccaneers are the first team that we take a look at. Jake, what could we hear? What could we see from Bucks camp that would have you saying, huh? Maybe I think differently about this guy. Oh, everybody on the podcast yeah. can't see what I'm doing, but zero. Uh, this is I agree. Of, of, I agree. The, I think it's of, of yeah. the 32 teams. This is the one team that has nothing. They returned everybody, which everybody said that they couldn't do, and then they did that. Uh, but here, here's the only thing, and I say zero, but it's zero for two reasons. It's one of the guys that you already took, and you, I'm with you. Fonst is on the other side of this one. If we hear zero bad news off the field about Antonio Brown, then Antonio Brown's an intriguing wide receiver three because, again, he was a wide receiver one for December. Not that I expect it to happen for the entire season, but he could be a wide receiver two for the entire year, and mm-hmm. if anything were to happen where Godwin's missed time a lot, maybe Mike Evans missed that. Like, so that intriguing upside for Antonio Brown is him staying quiet would be a good thing. But everybody else, I want nothing to do with the backfield. Nobody's going to tell me that Ronald Jones looks better than Fournette or Fournette looks better than Ronald Jones or Giovanni Bernard is the past. I don't care. Don't want the backfield. <laughs> that's, that's my that's my yeah. pick right there is Gio because there's, there's really not a whole lot. I think I agree with Jake. This is like the least storyline team from a fantasy <laughs> perspective out there. But mm-hmm. if Gio Bernard is now Tom Brady's James White here and they haven't had that guy, you know, they – we're thinking about Keyshawn Vaughn, Dari Ogamwale, you know, LaShawn McCoy, but Gio could legitimately be that guy. And if he's taken away all the receptions from, from Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, and and those guys are just splitting the carries. I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm already forgotten about these running backs in fantasy anyways, but it just (laughs) buries them further down the line in my mind. Yeah, this is definitely the team. I mean, 22 starters. It's pretty remarkable that it's any team, let alone the defending Super Bowl champion, brings back all 11 offensive starters, all 11 defensive starters. That's what we see with this Buccaneers team. I'm with you guys. It's going to be pretty status quo with this team. Probably not a whole lot to see outside of maybe Gio, like you said, maybe Antonio Brown. But even then, we're sort of straining the uh, bounds of credulity to really get in on that. So let's move on to a team that we know is going to have a major change, and that is the New Orleans Saints. Brandon, it is, is it as simple as saying we're just going to keep our eyes trained on the quarterback position? I mean, that is a big one, right? And, and, and that, you know, and how it affects Alvin Kamara. I mean, they 
they have a, you know a guy in Drew Brees that loved to throw to Alvin Kamara, and I think it's a mandate with this offense they're going to have to do that. But uh, you know, when Taysom Hill was the quarterback last year, he didn't throw to Kamara, and Kamara's production went way down. And Jameis Winston in the past hasn't you know hasn't just thrown to his running backs a whole lot. So it's going to it's going to be interesting to see who actually wins this job, and I think Taysom Hill has a legit chance uh, to be that guy if Jameis doesn't show well. But I also, it, I'll be interested to see how that, you know, the ramifications for Alvin Kamara. Can he still be the same guy that he was? Well, that's why so you said training camp. And so hearing anything, uh, it would have to be multiple reporters. And, like, uh, nothing against our guys at The Athletic. But even, if, like, if we were the only ones saying Jameis Winston looks great, like, I want to hear multiple sources saying – this is Winston's job. This is Winston's mm-hmm. job. This is Winston's job to have actual because I agree with Brandon. The problem is we're going to have to wait to see what's going on in the second and third preseason game, which is so far off that to get any news right now, it's going to have to be a very definitive 90% of the beat reporters are in agreement on who the quarterback's going to be. And if it's Winston, then yes, better for Kamara, better for Traquan Smith and better for the ancillary pieces in Adam Trotman. You know, you know, I love him, but that's what we need to see. Taysom Hill's bad news. (laughs) Taysom Hill would be bad news for what it's worth. Um, I also am doing a version of this with all of our beat writers running through uh, longer versions with every single team. Got like 10 to 15 minutes on every team. The first few episodes of that have come out. NFC East is out on our uh, uh, Athletic Fantasy Football podcast feed. And the NFC South is out. And in talking to Kat Terrell, our Saints beat reporter, she is very firmly in the Jameis campus thinking that if he doesn't, even if Peyton's not saying he's got a leg up, he probably has a t- little bit of a leg up going into the start of training camp. So that's obviously one that's going to have major fantasy ramifications, depending on which way Sean Payton, Pete Carmichael go at the quarterback position. Next up, you guys, let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons. We know that there's a big change here, actually. You know, two big changes with the the coaching move and obviously Julio Jones no longer in town. So, Jake, what could come out of this camp that would have you thinking differently about a player, the team as a whole, the offense, what have you? Two. Uh, one And one's bad, one's good. Uh, one would be negative is that Kyle Pitts is not adapting to the NFL. Uh, he's mm-hmm. missing assignments when they do ask him to block, which shouldn't be a lot. But, you know, he's just... Not on the same page. It's not going to, and I don't think that's going to happen. But if we heard anything of that fashion, then, you know, we're not talking top five for a rookie tight end because that's a lot to ask of any tight end. And I've been one of the most gushing fans of his. But, and everybody is. I'm not saying I'm not the only one. It's just that would be the only thing. And that would have to be a lot of it. That would be like two weeks of pitch just doesn't seem to be on the same page. It hasn't been able to, blah, blah, blah. On the positive side, it would be an undrafted free agent. It would be Javian Hawkins is going to make this team and is going to have a Tariq Cohen, Naheem Hines role. Like they're not, they quote unquote can't keep him off the field. And they so mm-hmm. that would hurt Mike Davis a little bit from that volume standpoint. Yeah. But I don't think Mike Davis was going to be out there twenty five touches a game. But you can see Hawkins developing into that PPR RB three. So that would be the two things I'm looking for. To me, what I'm watching. I mean, is if. You know, what's going to happen with Mike Davis's role? I mean, I think last year he was like 225 touches. That was his career high. I mean, the way things look like he's cruising towards a 300 touch season and beyond. And I don't know if they want to do that with him. So who is that guy? Is it JV and Hawkins? You know, there's talk of Cordero Patterson having a traditional running back role. Is he going to be that guy? So, look, I, I, I toyed around with putting Cordero Patterson in as a deep, deep sleeper in PPR running back column I did, and I just couldn't do it. It's like, I don't know. I mean, it feels like we go through this every yeah. year with Cordero. But someone, whether it's Javion Hawkins, 
Wiggins or someone they maybe bring in as a cut casualty, uh, I just feel like someone else is going to have to be there and maybe have that role that Jake's talking about. It's kind of that satellite, you know, that Naheem Hines back. Yeah, it is hard to envision a 300 touch season for Mike Davis. I still think there's plenty of value for him at ADP if it is a. 225 touch season along the lines of what he had last year. I don't think that you should be suddenly running away from him if that does change, if they bring someone in, if Javian Hawkins is really opening eyes. But uh, it, it, it does feel likely that someone else is going to be involved and we're not going to suddenly be talking about a 320 touch season for Mike Davis this year. And, uh, you know, maybe it's either Hawkins or the guy's not on the well, roster. Well, I, I just, so I don't think it's, Cordell I actually Patterson. wonder if maybe, you know, or Allison. Yeah. Yeah. Or I don't Hunt think it's Mike. Allison either. I, I, if you're thinking about the OC bringing up specifically that Mike Davis is really good in the passing game, maybe Mike Davis has splits the carries and is the, the receiving back. And maybe they bring in a more traditional sure. ball carrier as the, as a main guy. Well, that's where Allison would fit in. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah. But it's yeah, I don't know. And it's a new coaching staff, so maybe they see Wait, him in they, a different light than the old coaching Tony staff. They still have Tony Brooks James. They still have Tony Brooks James on this they one. They do, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how this new coaching staff handles the backfield. But they went after Mike Davis for a reason. So imagining whether it's two hundred twenty-five or somehow does get to that three hundred number, it's going to be a pretty nice season for Mike Davis. How about his former team, the Carolina Panthers, the last team in the NFC South? Brandon, what are you looking for here with this team? Honestly, I think the obvious thing is is Sam Darnold and his assimilation to this offense. But honestly, I think I'm most interested in seeing how Terrace Marshall looks. A, you know, he had the injury kind of tag coming in. Um, you know, is he healthy? But this is an offense with Teddy Bridgewater and a very low ceiling that produced three top 25 fantasy wide receivers. So, you know, it is there's an opportunity for Terrace Marshall to hit the ground running and be one of the, you know, kind of standout rookie wide receivers. I want to see if that's trending in a direction that's plausible or if, uh, you know, if this is going to be DJ Moore and, and Robbie Anderson, mostly that just to me boosts their value even more. Yeah. I think it's going to be again, more of a lot of people saying positive things about Sam Darnold. Like we're going to have to hear like, okay, Joe Brady unlocked them. You know, Matt rule on this team has uh-huh. figured out what was wrong with him with the Jets. You know it's coming. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know because it's coming. <laughs> we know he has the rapport with Robbie Anderson, and Robbie Anderson yeah. and DJ Moore are both, they're fine. Even if Sam Darnold plays Jets Sam Darnold, they're going to be fine. But it's, do we also yeah. care about Terrace Marshall? Do we also think that maybe Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore can take even another step forward now that Curtis Samuel is gone? So as long as, I mean, I, again, that would be the one side of it. I think it's just going to be kind of status quo for the Panthers unless it's super negative or super positive. Like, I just, I don't think that we're going to get a whole lot of where it's like, oh, my God, this happened. I guess the one one really bad thing could be, oh, my God, Chris McCaffrey doesn't look good coming back from yeah. injury. Well, that's another thing. Like, ch- run for the hills. You're seeing Chuba <laughs> Hubbard go pretty high. It's kind of like that insurance, you know, um, handcuffing your back. Is he going to be the guy, though? I mean, I think. That's that's something that needs to be determined think, as well. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, who else? I mean, the, the talent disparity between the rest of them. So I think I think Hubbard's worth where he's going. Would you, if you are a McCaffrey drafter, are you handcuffing? Are you making sure to get Hubbard on your team after what we saw Mike Davis able to do last season? Where he's going. You know me. I'm not the handcuff type. In the yeah, yeah, that's why I, I asked. I, I, I'm the depth type, mm-hmm. but uh, because I think Brandon and I talked was I feel I feel like you and I talked about this somewhere and I don't remember why because it would have been on the show but I feel like <laughs> Beller wasn't around for it I don't know why but anyway the point being is like 
Latavius, maybe it was with Pat Mayo, I don't remember, but Latavius Murray, I've been off on until this year because he's now going in the 12th or 13th round. People have kind of cooled on Latavius Murray, where my past years is like, I don't want to invest in a handcuff in the eighth round. Like, there's still mm -hmm. too much value on the board. But if you give me double-digit rounds, then yes, then I'll lean towards it. It's like, yes, I still want depth. But at that point, now you're talking potential third-string running backs on some teams versus the clear handcuff who's going to have the volume likely so yes in this case i would until his price gets too high yeah i'm just i'm pumped for all the the glowing sam darnold reports i'm expecting one from our buddy emory hunt <laughs> i hope he can get down to training camp and emory like, <laughs> michael salfino is gonna have like the like like he's, he's, he's did he wait, 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 wait did he leave did salfino change his mind now that darnold's not on the jets is he like completely gonna, off i was just gonna say we're, he's we're not gonna, wearing green anymore so salfino doesn't care yeah, <laughs> yeah right it's like oh yeah he's he, he's a total bum the jets were totally right to let him go and go after zach wilson the next big thing at the quarterback position looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, guys, let's get to the NFC West here, and we're going to start with those Seattle Seahawks. Brandon, uh, this is your team, <laughs> near and dear to your heart. What's going I mean, is it – I'm going to say that it is – they're not going to show any cracks, but like this is all about Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson getting along for four months, right? Sort of. I think for, for fantasy, it's it's you know it's Shane Waldron coming in as the offensive coordinator and running something that's fairly mm -hmm. starkly different than what we've seen from Seattle in the past, you know. And I'm I'm curious because can Russell be kind of a rhythm passer that's hitting hitting guys on little deeper slant, you know, drag routes across the middle? Um, it's not really been his forte, so. I want to see how that goes, and I'm interested in Gerald Everett, who knows this offense, who would seemingly come in and have a advantage at the tight end position. And they're talking, you know, Pete Carroll is as effusive as ever. <laughs> is it was pretty high on, <laughs> really? you know, on talking up Gerald Everett. So I sort of have Gerald Everett as a, a sleeper tight end, but you know, he's so deep that you have to be in a two tight end league for that to matter. I'm not drafting him in a yeah. single tight end league, but I'm still interested to see how he looks in this offense. 
Yeah, there's honestly, there's not a whole lot of here. It would have to be something just completely out of the realm of, you know, now they're passing 65% of the time or, you know, mm-hmm. you know and they're running three wides all the time in camp and now pulling that over and stuff like that. So the Everett one, yeah, you know, it's, it's intriguing, but, you know, Disley's healthy for now. Uh, we've already heard talks about Parkinson, about the fact that he like, he looked good two weeks ago. And granted, that was even two weeks ago. But it's just more so it's like, yes, the Seattle Seahawks tight end position has value. But it's never like when's the last time it's ever been like this was the guy since Jimmy Graham. Like, like, like right. that's mm-hmm. like is that's the last time. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, with Brandon, I think that I, I think this one is just more intrigue than actual intel, because what's really good. What's going to change from Lockett and Metcalf? Was that Barkley saying amen? Somebody's, was that Barkley saying amen right there? Like, really? no, somebody's <laughs> knocking on the door despite the big ass sign that says "Don't knock or ring." Uh, I mean, yeah, right. Like maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, Metcalf out targets Lockett this year, but not in a way that's gonna like substantively change the way that we're thinking about those two guys. Hey, Barkley, Barkley. good. I think Barkley's a Seahawks fan showing up for the Seahawks (laughs) talk. Love it. (laughs) Once Saquon wants to get get her namesake sent out to Seattle. Oh yeah. (laughs) We'll get to, we'll get to Saquon in a bit here. (laughs) Yeah, we will get to Saquon in a little bit. I think he's going to be pretty high up on that giants name. Uh, How about the Rams? Uh, we know, obviously, Cam Akers' injury has changed things for them in the backfield in a way probably less meaningful than it's changed in the backfield for us in the fantasy world. Uh, Jake, obviously, we want to talk about that, uh, the Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson um, changes for the Rams, but is there anything else with this team that you're looking at this summer? Not really, honestly. We uh, look, it just Stafford's going to do well here. I think that would be the only mm-hmm. thing would be like, oh, my God, Stafford's toast i don't know like maybe the injuries like i can't think of a lot where and that's what i'm saying is why it might sound like this could change in the middle of all like i'm trying to say what's going to change you brought this up at the beginning of the show i'm going to keep hitting this over and over is training camp what could we hear that's going to change my opinion like not a whole lot's going to change my opinion of what we hear like what are we going to hear from the rams that like oh stafford looks good cooper cup and robert woods or robert woods and cooper cup like i think higby is a great value at tight end so unless he doesn't and then, you know, maybe there's a situation where Harris is getting some time at play, even though he's very raw, moving to tight end. Uh, maybe Higby becomes off the radar at tight end, because right now I have him as a fringe tight end one. So maybe that. And then maybe, you know, do they bring in a veteran behind Daryl Henderson? But you know my love of Daryl Henderson, and I think a lot of people in the community. I was, I was I thought it was going to be the highest on him when I updated my ranks and projections, and he was like 17, 18 at running back for me. And it seems like the industry checked in at that same spot for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm 22 on Henderson right now. We'll see. Um, but I, I, you know, I just look back to the beginning of last year, and you know, Daryl Henderson before Cam Akers was really allowed to get turned loose, and after he got healthy, you know, it was basically a split backfield. Malcolm Brown was getting a regular 10 to 12 True. carries, getting over double digit touches most weeks, and I think there's that. If they would have viewed Daryl Henderson as a, a fully featured guy, I don't know that they went out and get got Cam Akers the next season. So I think they're going to have someone to partner with Henderson. You know, Jordan Rodriguez from The Athletic has thrown out Xavier Jones as a guy that's going to end up, you know, bubbling up and mm-hmm. being someone that we care about. I, I don't know. I'm just looking back at his profile and his, you know, the scout reports on him coming out. I'm like, ah, it seems like maybe they're looking for a guy as a cut casualty as well, someone that they can maybe bring in. I think I feel like Duke is a, is not a bad fit for this team. Duke Johnson? What, yeah. Yeah, as a you know, obviously as 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 Duke, as what he was with the Browns, as what he was with the Texans, 
I feel like that could fit here maybe more than a pure runner like Peterson or bringing back Todd Gurley or something like that. Yeah, I I, I think you you could be right that maybe they bring in kind of that third down back. I thought that if Theo Riddick got cut by the by the Raiders, you know, he would make some sense mm-hmm. as well. But that kind of running back maybe is what they look to. Yeah, the cuts could definitely come into play. Oh, speaking yeah. of running backs, I forgot to mention that with the Seahawks. There is one positive. Sean Penny's healthy. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, that's <laughs> hasn't happened for his career. But if that if we got a healthy Rashad Penny, <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you do never know. That's true. But uh, I don't know. I would actually spin that as a fantasy negative with Chris Carson. We just want Chris Carson to have that backfield to himself no, the way he that he has. Either. This would, yeah, this would, that could actually keep Chris Carson healthy. I have to give him the ball 23 times because he has somebody that could spell him a little yeah, bit. Just, spell, he's yeah, he's yeah. fine. Just plan for somebody else for your championship game, and you're okay. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he just checks out for the last. He's going to carry you there. Last couple he's, weeks of the year, he checks out. So just just plan. So ahead. because you play in like week 20, you never draft <laughs> right, him, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to the 49ers here. A lot of intrigue surrounding this team. Obviously, uh, the first thing that comes out at you is Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Is that where we're at on these guys, Brandon? Yeah. I mean, if I were to think of a subplot, it would be how the distribution works out between Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert. But really, it's going to be mm-hmm. all about Trey Lance, uh, you know, how quickly we think, you know, he is developing and could be in a starting role and what that means actually in the passing game, you know, in terms of uh, is that going to is that going to raise the upside of the receivers or is it looking like oh you know this is you know he has some work in the passing game but you know we know he's going to be you know basically is he going to be Jalen Hurts or is he you know going to be a Deshaun Watson that's what we kind of need to find out. So I agree and disagree with Brandon. So I agree this is the topic. I disagree that we're going to know in training camp because this is the running with the one situation. They need to evaluate Trey Lance if they think mm-hmm. he's even. Sp- I don't. Me personally. And I'd happily be wrong about Trey Lance because I see his potential and his upside. I even mentioned it in the draft kit or not draft kit, the draft coverage. Um, I don't think Trey Lance should start. I don't think Trey Lance should start this entire year. Like if you go back to even if he is the next Josh Allen, look at Josh Allen's rookie season. Mm -hmm. Trey Lance needs to develop unless you're going to get a Josh Allen. So where I say I agree with Brandon is that, yes, they are going to say we need to evaluate him. He's going to run with the ones. He's going to be out there with the first team, all that type of stuff. We're not going to know until we see preseason games. But if he is starting early this year, week one, two, three, or whatever, downgrade everybody in my opinion. And that's the bad situation here. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the worst case scenario. He's like the Derek Carr. Like it, he's serviceable. Yeah. He'll be fine. Kirk Cousins. Yeah. So if Lance is out there, I think this is bad for the receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would actually rather see Garoppolo and not see Lance potentially till the end of the season. So that's where I'm going with this. But that being said, I don't think we're going to have an answer in mm-hmm. training camp, like just because it's evaluation time. Would you right, remember right. what was it? Lamar Jackson's rookie season? They played him like the what the last five or six games, and then he was the starter yeah. in the playoffs, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm mean, yeah, similar to Patrick Mahomes and all that type of stuff. And again, I, I think that you would also want a little bit not not the discrepancy of going from Wentz to Hertz or even Flacco to Lamar Jackson, but I don't think you're going to want to <laughs> run the exact one. same offense going from Garoppolo to Lance just because you. Can't. You'd, yeah, yeah, you'd be taking away Lance's upside if you tried to mm-hmm. force him into that offense. Yeah, yeah, it would make no sense. Stand, stand, kind of like stand in the pocket and Tua. don't move is basically. I mean, well, no, yeah, I was going to say Fitzpatrick <laughs> and Tua. Not, I'm not saying that for the running of Tua because uh-huh. it's not the upside of Lance. But it's, it's a lesser change, but it's still a change. Right. 
Yeah, and it's just it's it's going to be really fascinating, I think, to watch this one. And there's another one uh, coming up in a few teams from now that we're going to uh, have a similar, I think, stance on uh, with what this team's going to do in training camp. We know exactly who the Cardinals quarterback is. I feel like we know pretty much what the Cardinals team is, but <laughs> at least at the top. But there are some things I really want to see with this team. It's the backfield, and it's how everything behind DeAndre Hopkins shakes out. What about you, Jake? Uh, that's where I'm going. The backfield, I'm kind of set on this, unless there's just, again, this widespread news that it's not Connor, Connor it is Drake, or even vice versa. Mm-hmm. It's like just Edmonds. There's a consensus, like one of them looks great, the other one looks terrible. Like this, mm-hmm. I'm I'm with you on the second one. I'm more intrigued with the receiving options because while he looked completely toast, I just... Is, is there a world where A.J. Green kind of gave up last year and was just over it? I mean, we had the report from the year before that where he didn't even want to come back from being yes. potentially ready to come back and it's just like, screw it. Why even come back? Uh, maybe he was fr- – like, we've seen it before. Randy Moss walked off the field with teams. Randy Moss forced <laughs> his way off the Raiders. And I'm not saying A.J. Green has that kind of level of Randy Moss when he went to the Patriots, but all that being mm-hmm. said is – what if A.J. Green is not done and then he's the number two with Kyle Murray? Now, if he is done and the number two is Christian Kirk, who is now finally being able to step into Larry Fitzgerald's slot role, maybe Christian Kirk finally takes off. Similar to Sterling Shepard, he's better in the slot. So I think that's intriguing. But it's going to be, is A.J. Green done or not? That's where I'm looking. Yeah, I, you know, and also, does the number two behind the number one matter? Because it hasn't so far in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. You know, this is a spread offense. It's yeah. supposed to have all this upside. But so far, we've only seen just kind of like one alpha, and everybody else is kind of you, mm-hmm. you use them here and there. But this should be an offense that can support two high, you know, high-end fantasy wide receivers, and Easily. and we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, that's going to be something to watch. And if someone can – separate themselves no matter who it is that could be a really valuable spot otherwise we might just be looking at the same thing we were last year where there was Kyler and Hopkins and I mean last year was Kenny and Drake or whoever's running the backfield and I'm with you Jake on James Conner being I feel like one of the better bargains at the running back position so far this season it's going to be fun if we can get one of these guys in the wide receiver group to break through and be a true number two for this team let's jump on over into the NFC East guys and let's start with the Dallas Cowboys, what are we looking for with this team, Brandon? Uh, it, it's kind of a, you know, not a lot of question marks. Even it's, you know, last year we're hitting the reset, but it's Dak. Is he, is he healthy, you know, and, and is he, you know, going to hit hit the ground running in week one? Uh, I guess it's Amari Cooper as well because there is – there's there is yeah, there's a lot of mystery around that ankle, mm-hmm. and uh, no one seems to know really anything. You know, you try to look for information on that. No one has a good bead on what's going on with Amari Cooper. It could be nothing, or they, you know, could be a big story that we just not it's just not come to fruition yet in terms of the knowledge of it. So uh, that's that's a biggie. So those are the I think really the only two things you can point to. I don't know, Jake. You got anything else there? No, this is not too dissimilar from the Buccaneers, as we know mm-hmm. everything. You know, three great wide receivers. Uh, maybe the only one tight end, because right now I'm completely out. I think that this, after what we saw last year, Jarwin, for the excitement that people had for him, I think you, you because of Schultz and what happened last year, now you have, mm-hmm. they're going to cannibalize each other. So unless yep. one of them falls to the wayside or even gets hurt, which would be unfortunate, but I think that'd be the only way we clear up anything outside of anything we don't already know on this team. 
not only are they going to cannibalize one another, but they're going to do it with what's going to be a pretty small share, I would say, of the target pie for this team with Cooper, with Lamb, with Gallup, with Zeke taking up what he takes up in the offense. It's not like there's a ton of room for the tight ends well, to make that large of Well, if Dak's throwing 400 yards with. a game, you know, <laughs> there's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the Cowboys have other plans there, but I don't know if that defense has improved enough to them for them to actually be able to activate those other plans that they might have. Amari Cooper, to me, guys, is one of the biggest stories, I think, of training camp because we're talking about a wide receiver with a lingering ankle injury who has other very good options on his team, who is still being selected with a high opportunity cost tied to him with a lot of other good receivers on the board. Like, in Amari Cooper, slow camp. In Amari Cooper, zero appearances in, in exhibition games or not really practicing with the team in camp. I think it'd have a lot of ripple effects in fantasy drafts when we really get there about a month from now. So that's one that I think we got to watch very, very closely. In Washington, I think we do have a little bit more to watch uh, with this team. A few more unknowns. Obviously, a new quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick is here. Curtis Samuel is now here. Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson back in their roles, but maybe a step forward to be taken for Antonio Gibson. Uh, does Logan Thomas regress because of the growing options in this Washington offense? I mean, there's a lot here that could really draw our eye. What's getting your attention most, Jake? Mm, honestly, it, it, I don't want to say there's not a whole lot here, but it just, again, the only thing I could hear is negative. Like, I, I'm excited for Curtis Samuel's deep ball ability now with Ryan Fitzpatrick to even unlock that more mm -hmm. as the number two. Uh, I've mentioned my hesitancies of Logan Thomas because of how Fitzpatrick's tendencies have been. And again, it's different team, it's different skills, it's different players, all that type of stuff. But tight end has, hasn't really been a regular factor when it comes to him. And if you look at this, you could see Logan Thomas falling to number four. So if this is tons of news about Gibson and yep. Samuel and McLaurin and blah, 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 and he's, Logan Thomas is getting left out. Yep. Then now I'm kind of even feeling like, okay, my concerns are warranted. Now, if Logan Thomas is just going off in practice and uh, on the same page of Fitzpatrick, then you know, I could see Logan Thomas being the one where I kind of like, all right, maybe I should come back around a little bit. Or, you know what, my concerns are warranted. Yeah, I th I'll say the Antonio Gibson's the most interesting to me. Are they really going to open up the passing game with him? Because look at Jamie McKissick had a huge year last year for him, and it, you know we all kind of attributed to checkdown champ, you know Alex Smith, but he's not being drafted at all hardly, and everybody's kind of assuming that Antonio Gibson is going to absorb a big chunk of this role, and so. And it's also, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's there. And as Jake's mentioned before, he doesn't, you know, he likes to fire it downfield, doesn't love throwing to running backs, uh, hasn't really, you know, helped the tight end out a whole lot. So um, mm -hmm. it comes back to, well, if Gibson gets this role, is it going to matter because Ryan Fitzpatrick's tendencies? And also, is, is it really going to, as we talked about, phase out Logan Thomas and J.D. McKissick? Let's jump in really quick here on Terry McLaurin just for a second. We know he's done very well with poor quarterback play thus far in his career. What's the absolute wide receiver ceiling for him, Jake? Wide receiver what? Mm, 10, 11, 12. I think he tops out as a low-end wide receiver one. I just I, I just can't. I, like, I just, There's no scenario where he goes like 100, 1,400, 8. That's ten yeah. touchdowns. It's it's yeah. touchdowns. It's all touchdown kind of it's, luck. It's not even that too. Is he just yeah. had all? He was one of the top receivers in target market share last year, and now you're adding Curtis Samuel, and we think Antonio Gibson is going to see more of a role in the past. Like, it's just where does he go targets 
even from last year. Like, look at his targets from last year. And I love Terry McLaurin, but is he going to get to 150, 160? I just don't see it happening when you add in. If Curtis Samuel never came into the picture, sure. But I just, I, I just don't see the volume getting him there. You on that same page, Brandon? Well, yeah, like I said, if he were to get higher than that, it would have to be like a weird touchdown luck kind of season, you know, mm-hmm. where he's getting 10, 11, 12 touchdowns. But in terms of like the volume carrying him there, I, I'm with Jake on that. I don't think he can get a, you know, a whole lot higher than what he, we've already seen him have. All right, let's go on to the Philadelphia Eagles here, a team that you know, there's, there's plenty of room for this team to bounce back and still not be a super competitive playoff team. I think there's room for that in real life. I think there's a plenty of room for this team to be a much more meaningful fantasy team for us as well. Everything went wrong for these guys last year, and it started with all those offensive line injuries. There's a lot of offensive line talent on this team, but by the end of the season, they were playing third stringers almost across the entire line. So things can be very different for this team if they can stay healthy up front. We know they've got the new quarterback in Jalen Hurts. We know that uh, they've got some new receiving options for him as well. What are you watching with the Eagles, Brandon? Honestly, it's Miles Sanders. I'm not sure that, you know, of of kind of upper running backs that I've moved a running back further from like May to present uh, down the list of Miles Sanders. I It keeps, you know, they've added, they got Jordan Howard and Carrion Johnson and Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott. And, and the lip service mm-hmm. has been given to like a, a committee backfield where all these guys can have roles and. I'm like, I started out thinking this could be the Miles Sanders show this year. And, you know, everything that's happened since then is is pushing me, you know, away from that. And so now I want to see how things play out. And if if this, you know, just bluster or they're really going to lean on the most talented guy in their backfield. I mean, Jalen Hurts interests me, but I think, you know, we we know what's going to go on with the passing game. It's just a matter of how proficient that's going to be. Yeah, I think that, again, positively. We could see a lot of good news, but it's going to be positive spin because that's what we hear a lot this time. And mm-hmm. I'm one of the most positive people on Jalen Hurts in the passing game and what I expect Devontae Smith to be able to bring and the ripple effect of a healthy Goddard and a Jalen Rager and the secondary wide receiver role and all that type of stuff. So uh, I think the only positive thing that could be is similar to what Brandon said, but it's positive in the fact that Miles Sanders' passing game work is back and maybe – Boston Scott is just Boston Scott and Gainwell isn't connecting and that type of stuff. So we could feel better about Miles Sanders because unlike Brandon, I I was super down on Miles Sanders the entire time. So like maybe I could come back around on Miles Sanders, but I think that the Eagles are going to be a lot of news. That's just kind of, okay, we, we, we like what we hear, but there's not Mm -hmm. a lot of actual Intel just because there's so many moving pieces. Well, unless Zach Ertz is gone. That would be, that'd be like Dallas (laughs) Goddard's all of a sudden near the top five. Yeah. yeah. What about like they're gonna they're gonna have to cut you know a running back or two from this group, right? Yeah, well, they can't go into the season with all those or running backs. Wide I mean, receivers too. They still have yeah. a billion. Well, how many, how many of those guys? How many? I'm pulling up the depth chart now, but how many of these guys can be special teams guys? Probably Gainwell. Uh, you're talking about wide receivers or running backs? Boston Scott. I don't know. Really both. Really, yeah. Like Boston Scott can be a special teams guy, obviously. Well, <laughs> right, like, Hor- like Jordan Howard and Carryon Johnson aren't special Both of them guys. Can't one be of those on the guys team. is get one of those guys is getting cut for sure. Elijah right, one of those guys gone. ends up at the Rams. That's what Jordan I'm Howard that's, or Carryon Johnson goes going. to the Rams. Yeah, there you go. Carryon is gone. <laughs> I, I think about all the old Detroit running backs b- being teamed back up with Matt Stafford. So yeah, there you go. I, it's gonna be it's gonna be Sanders, Scott Gainwell, and either Johnson or Howard. So the yeah. others are gone, and then you've got to right. get Arthega Whiteside probably on the bubble. 
Walker's not making the team. Osborne uh, is probably going to be a practice squad guy, and that gets you down to six wide receivers right there. Right. Yeah. Um, Devontae Smith, I think, is a going to be a really fun player to watch in training camp. I think he's going to be a fun guy to watch. De- Devontae Smith's going to give us one of those, like, oh, my God, highlights in a, in a uh, preseason Oh, Devontae game. Smith is going to go from being a right. wide receiver four in drafts to a wide <laughs> yeah. receiver two in two practices. <laughs> yeah, he's going to give us some of those just ridiculous highlights. But again, it's not like it's not really going to be all that actionable. Um, but for what it's worth, Zach Berman, our Eagles beat writer on uh, the episode that you can again hear, the NFC East episode, uh, effusive in his praise of what this team thinks they have in Devontae Smith. So definitely someone to keep an eye on, even if it's not going to change the way you feel about him on draft day all that much. Finally, <clears throat> in this NFC East, the team that Jake Seeley just can't get enough of, the <laughs> new York Giants. Uh, Jake, what do you, I mean, we need to see something out of Saquon, don't we? I mean, we don't need to see Saquon out there practicing with the ones every single day. We don't need to see him take one snap, literally not one snap in a preseason game, but we got to see something with where he's going in drafts, don't we? At least a little something? No. And I don't know that because we're not going to. And that's the thing is they, he's been. But are you still going to take him then like fifth overall if yes, you don't see anything? Because here's – well, I'll keep going to what I've been saying this entire offseason. Go back to Le'Veon Bell when he was suspended for four games. Still take him in the first round because Le'Veon Bell plus replacement running back is still top five running back. Saquon Barkley plus whoever you have to find for the first couple weeks. And the thing is, is Barkley you could probably use as a flex for the first three or four weeks, even if he's limited. So you're getting – you're, he's he's your replacement running back. So worst case scenario is they held him out and you find somebody for the first three weeks and then Barkley being Barkley is a top five running back. So that's what I'm looking for from the Giants, uh, honestly, of what we could be actual is what the hell does Daniel Jones look like? That's really cause, because <laughs> yeah. he's the ripple effect to everybody. He's Is he on the same page as Galladay? Can Galladay be touchdown reliant with the Giants? Because that's what he was with the Lions. Brandon's brought that up several times, and I agree with him. Does Sterling Shepard have value in the slot? Moving back there. Is Darius mm-hmm. Slayton maybe a deep, you know, flyer for big plays and stuff like that? Is Evan Ingram is probably going to be the one that I don't care about just because Kyle Rudolph is going to manipulate or manip- monopolize some of his <laughs> ability. Um, I'd manipulate him too. But similar to the – it's the Cowboys situation. That's, that's cagey. Yeah. yeah. What, what are we going to get out of the, the tight ends in either of these teams unless one Nothing. goes away? Um, mm-hmm. So it really comes down to Daniel Jones, honestly. And the offensive line. Like, mm-hmm. they, they have – confidence they didn't draft anybody they didn't really address a whole lot outside of depth and free agency if this offensive line and people are out there covering this team being like man Daniel Jones is getting even touched up by practice players on the defense then you're like Ooh, okay it's not gonna matter this is gonna be a rough season again Matt you know I have I really like the idea of Sterling Shepard just kind of owning the slot. And I think everything you've seen Same. about Kadarius Tony is like he just might have a red shirt year this year. Um, Sounds like it. And I like I think like the last four drafts I've drafted Sterling Shepard. And I, I feel like if I hadn't drafted him, he would have went undrafted. He's just like free money right now in fantasy drafts. And I'm going to end up owning or, you know, rostering Shepard in a lot of leagues and mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to pay off for me, but I guess, you know, I'll be watching how things develop during preseason to make myself feel better. His numbers are one of the most divergent going from working in the slot to working outside. It's ungodly. I remember you writing that last year. 
Yeah, thank you. And that's that's why I keep bringing up Ruggs and Rager. Is like some mm-hmm. receipt like Christian Kirk's another one. Like there's a lot of these receivers right. out there. Yes, they need to play outside just to keep things honest and give them some more opportunities right. downfield. Right. But 30% of the time outside versus 60% of the outside time is a huge difference for receivers like these guys. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, to what you said about Kadarius Tony, Brandon, uh, Dan Duggan in that NFC East episode basically says the same thing. That this is, you know, he's a wild card. He's going to make a play or two here or there, but don't expect much out of him in this rookie season. It was really more of a 2022 pick for the Giants rather than thinking he was going to be a really meaningful guy for I mean, them this year. Let's be honest, but what's the difference between Katoni and Tutu Atwell? Size? Uh, not a whole lot. Size. Yeah, size, yeah, size right. but I mean, like, roles yeah, wise. But like, like, yeah, no, but yeah, nobody's interested exactly. in Tutu Atwell, which, by the way, I think if they don't address running back, is kind of an intriguing player. Like, the Tavon Austin from years ago. Only, hey, <laughs> I'm going to say, you know, I hate saying this, only in best ball. <laughs> you can't get away from that phrase in the fantasy football world this summer. Only in best ball. It's I always say that because I just drafted Tutu Atwell yesterday in a best ball. Rotoware's got to put that on a shirt for us. <laughs> Only in best ball. Oh, that's great, actually. <laughs> um, all right, guys. That's gonna that's gonna do it here for us in the NFC East. One more division in the NFC to get through. It is the NFC North. We saved the best for last, obviously. Let's go to the Green Bay Packers, and let's call this a what we're watching for non-Aaron Rodgers edition. Let's just assume that things work out, which feels like some days it feels like that's an okay assumption, and some days it feels like eh, maybe not so much. But for the sake of our discussion, let's just assume that whatever happens at training camp, that Rodgers is there week one. What are we looking for out of this team, Brandon, that doesn't have anything to do with Rodgers? Um, I guess it would be AJ Dillon ascending into, you know, the the touches that Jamal Williams vacated and how Aaron Jones, you know, I was in a PPR uh, draft last night and Aaron Jones went like sixth, you know, and I, I can understand it. Like you don't really imagine that AJ Dillon is going to absorb a whole lot of Jamal Williams's receptions and that all could go to Aaron Jones. And if he has a similar carry load, that, that could work out really well for Aaron Jones. So and he's a guy that's been, you know, turning in top five numbers at the running back position with, with, you know, minimal, you know, not, not traditional work, workhorse kind of workloads. And Will Fuller. Will Fuller? What, 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 what I mean, he has had, he has had some Will Fuller. Yeah. Oh, Will Fuller. Yeah. Monster. Some, I I feel like his floor is a little higher than you're giving him credit for, Jake. No, no, no. Because Will Will Fuller before the PEDs were, he, his floor had finally risen. So that's why yeah, the floor is decently okay, high, yeah. but the reason why you're seeing Aaron Jones finish as high as he did in the last couple of seasons is because of a handful of monster games and then a decent floor. But there were there weren't a ton of like just like simple 80 yards and a touchdown sort of games for Aaron Jones. Yeah. But by the way, before not to pivot off Aaron Jones, but I do kind of want to see Jordan Love running with the ones, throwing the ball to Devontae Adams and, and seeing what that oh, looks I think like. You're gonna, I think you're going to see that. I don't think we're going to see Aaron Rodgers there on day one. I think you're going to see that a little bit. <laughs> well, it, at least it'll put some context to imagining a life without Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. You know what I want to see? I want to see week three preseason and bring back Stone Cold's breaking glass intro and Aaron Rodgers just come out like that. Like, wait until then, and then Aaron Rodgers finally like, uh-huh. I'm back. No, but week, week three preseason is now yeah. week four, you know, so you, it's got to be week two preseason. That's week that's, two it? that's the oh, new. Well, no, they, make, they make it week four. Like, yeah, no, whatever. It's just the last part. <laughs> yeah. You don't even have to play in the game. I just want the glass yeah, breaking. Yeah. I want him stomping to the middle the of the belt. field just Do like, the yeah, and, no, just the whole thing. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. So I'll, I will say I am watching for Rodgers. 
not Aaron. Haha. Ha. Oh, I did see uh, yeah, because yeah. we've been looking for the number two for the longest time, and this Rogers, Amari Rogers, is similar mm. to the number two who used to be there, who's now gone and has been gone for a while. Is Randall Cobb? He's more of a yep. slot guy. He's in the Sterling Shepard, Christian Kirk, all these roles, and we've been trying to do Valdez Cantling, and we've been trying to do you know uh, Alan Lazard and all that type of. And yes, they are intriguing, mm-hmm. but if somebody can be the consistent, and for how Rogers plays. Rodgers and Rodgers together, which would be fun just to be in general. Uh, I think Amari Rodgers is one of the more intriguing rookies that is kind of being passed on a lot of drafts right now who could ascend to that wide receiver three tier. Our Packers beat writer, Matt Schneidman, right there with you on that, Jake, said this is uh, probably the most interesting player to watch in training camp because they haven't had they haven't had that slot guy. And, and Randall Cobb had some great years with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, he did a lot of that uh, alongside Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams was starting to emerge. But there were some, pl- some really nice years out of Randall Cobb where he was a go-to guy for Rodgers, a go-to guy, an easy starter for us in the fantasy world. And they really haven't had someone filling that role since Cobb has been gone. So maybe... Maybe we can get that year out of Amari Rodgers this season. Minnesota Vikings, next team up here. Uh, for me, you guys, Please I'm going to throw on. something in here. This is uh, – <laughs> well, yes, I, I agree. Let's move on, right? Because this has been the probably the most, the most bankable, narrow usage tree team in the league for the last couple of years. Even when Stephon Diggs was still there, right? It was just Diggs, Thielen, Cook. Diggs, Thielen, Cook. Then last year it was Jefferson, Thielen, Cook, and that's it. And I just want to make sure that that's still the case with them this season, that no one else is going to eat into that. Because if no one else eats into that, I think that that solidifies a floor for a player in Adam Thielen who is probably starting to take a little bit of a downturn in his career. Uh, where are you at, Brandon, on these guys? Yeah, and we're not going to be able to expect 14 touchdowns from Adam Thielen year in and year out from here. So if he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, I think you're right. He's coming down. But I don't – who am I? Who am I looking to to kind of step up? I mean, Ola B C Johnson, Chad B C Johnson, um, <laughs> Irv, Irv Smith. Man. We know that Tyler Conklin is going to be a thing, and it's, I think you have to look at this tight end in the lens that you looked at Rudolph and Smith together. It's just a it's just right. a different guy replacing Kyle Rudolph, so that doesn't get you yep. excited anymore. I mean, you started to think that oh, this could be Irv Smith's breakout year, but. Yeah, I mean, the more you kind of really think about it, you know, it, you have to just understand that they're just same old, same old in terms of the two tight end usage there. Yep. Mm-hmm. They love the 12. They love Conklin. Uh, Irv they Smith love Conklin in the red zone. Yeah. Irv Smith is essentially Jared Cook now. Good luck figuring mm-hmm. out his six games. So if you pick him, <laughs> just keep him out there because you're not going to be able to predict it. And you can look at the four games at the end of the season. Two great ones, two major stinkers. The consistent option yep. between the four was Conklin. More targets. Consistent. I think it was four to six every single game. So, yeah, I think this is like I kind of jokingly said, just move on. This is one of the most friendly fantasy teams for two reasons. (laughs) It's narrow, as you said, Beller, but it's also a very high ceiling narrow tree. Yes. Yes, gotta love that. Really, no, no bad way to get in on this team. Obviously, you got to pay for it to get Cook and Jefferson. No, you don't have to pay for Kirk Cousins, and that's a hey. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't. You brought him up at all. I would love to see Phelan just slide a tiny bit. I'm, just, I'm a little bit worried, a little bit worried about a widening gap in target share between Jefferson and Phelan, and if Phelan doesn't quite have the same touchdown luck that we're used to him having, maybe, what, what's he, like wide receiver 24-ish right about now, right in that Odell Beckham range? Like, that might end up being just a, a touch high. I would love to see him I'll going a little bit I'll take Phelan 10 times out of 10 late. over Odell Beckham. 10 times out of 10 over Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. I, me, I'll make that too. side bet with you. I'll make that side bet with you guys. What's the side back? Over, over <laughs> just Thielen versus Beckham? 
Yeah, Thielen versus Beckham. Points, okay. half, half PPR points per game, minimum okay. uh, 10, 10 games played. And very yeah. similar situations, right? I mean, Cleveland's got yeah. a narrow tree as well. Run heavy teams, narrow yep. trees. I think that's, yep. yeah. Similar quarterbacks in yeah. Baker and Cousins, right? Guys who have clearly seen better days. Wow, this is yeah. Well, Beckham and Adam Thielen, two peas in a pod, right there. Who would have thought? We could just throw this one out the window because Beckham's not making ten games. Oh, <laughs> I'm take, writing it I down, like it. and I'm also writing down. That's why he blocked you on Twitter, Jake. He knew that these days were coming when you were going to hate That's him what it was. In advance of that, out in front of it, it. was it wasn't the boat out, joke yeah. that he didn't get. <laughs> no, it was a it was a preemptive block. He knew the days were coming when you were going to turn on him. Um, I'm never turning on the Chicago Bears, uh, the team that is near and dear to my heart. I mean, this is this is this is Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, right? This ha- that has to be what we're watching with this team. Um, so I, we'll say that, um, Jake. I guess the way we look at this is like. What are we watching for? Because the Bears sound very committed to Andy Dalton being their starter. And when I talked with Kevin Fishbane, our Bears beat reporter, he was just like, I mean, he wasn't even letting the chance of Justin Fields' week one starter be part of the discussion. It was, you know, when Dalton takes the field week one, when Fields eventually becomes a starter. But Fields as a week one starter wasn't really even part of our discussion because he thinks there's just basically a 0% chance of that happening. So I guess what, what do we look for in this quarterback battle? And that's why I'm not too worried about that. You know, you know my feelings on this. And for anybody that didn't listen to the show back in the day, we were kind of predicting it out. Is I think week four is worst case scenario for Fields, and it's because mm-hmm. if you look at the schedule, like at Rams, yep, exactly. and that's I do think Dal- Dalton starts week one, throwing Fields at the Rams on the road in week one. Oh. It just like yeah. And I, I hate to do this to Dalton as like real life to do this to a person, but like he kind of feels like the sacrificial lamb for that week one situation. So I could see week two at home against the Bengals defense. If not, and they want to give him a little bit more time at Cleveland, if you want to start the guy on the road and not in front of your own fans, if you want him to start in front of your fans, week four against the Lions. So that's why I'm like, yeah. you know what? Week four is the drop dead because at Vegas uh, uh, for the fifth game and then Green Bay, Tampa, and you want to hopefully get field something before he faces Green Bay. Um, but that's why I think week four is the spot for – fields at the latest i could see week two three or four so where i'm gonna say is that scenario i think is already set unless he just looks like trash the entire preseason which is possible because he's a rookie and dalton's the starter for most of the year so where i'm gonna say is we know my love and your love and everybody's love of darnell mooney so that's not going to change much for me it's going to be is Jimmy Graham finally toast and let cole commit take over at tight end mm-hmm. because if cole commit is the guy Cole Komet could be a fringe tight end one. And I think that's somebody you can get super late in drafts, actually later than Adam Trotman because Trotman's role is clear and everybody's on Trotman at this point. So Cole Komet is the intriguing one where that's, that's the only thing I could see kind of moving here because I'm my opinion set on quarterback and we already have love for Mooney. Yeah. I, I'm kind of right there with you. Cole Komet's very interesting to me. I want to see that, you know, changing of the guard there at the tight end position, but just back to the quarterback thing. This is not like, you know, the, the quarterback is from North Dakota state and has very small amount of even time ever playing. He's been on Georgia. He's been at Ohio state played on in the biggest stage, you know, shredded Clemson. Um, there's a lot After of guys getting his rib cage obliterated. Yes. I mean, I feel like, you know, if you're, you're wondering when Trey Lance is going to play, you're saying Jake, you know, you want him to not, hardly even play him at all. But Justin Fields is a whole different story. Like as soon as you feel like he has the grasp of the offense, you put him out mm-hmm. there. I mean, he is the future mm-hmm. and you just put him out there right away. Yeah, for a team that is absolutely desperate to believe 
in a quarterback of the future for for once. I'm, I'll be I'll be 37 years old by the time this football <laughs> season starts, and by far the best quarterback play I've seen is Jay Cutler, and it's, there's not even a close second. So, just please, please let Fields be the answer. Last team, our 16th team in the NFC, they're going to be hearing the word last quite a bit this season. The Detroit Lions. Uh, I mean. I, I want to believe in in Hawkinson and, and Swift. I'm a little bit worried about the offense totally torpedoing what both of these guys can do. Brandon, when you think about the Lions, you think about what you're going to look for in training camp, what jumps to mind? Well, I don't know if we're going to get an answer on the usage of DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. That's very intriguing to me. Anthony Lynn calling Jamal Williams a classic one, you know, one back and, and that he's going to ride the hot hand. It's terrible news if he actually is, <laughs> if it actually follows through that way for people that are drafting DeAndre Swift. But what I want to know is, is DeAndre Swift going to be the number two target in this offense? Or is there going to be a guy that kind of steps up as the lead guy in the passing game at receiver? Like neither Tyrell Williams or Brashad Perryman you know, look like guys that command targets a whole lot. You know, they're outside guys for the most part. Is Amon St. Brown or Amon Ross St. Brown going to be Ra. the guy? Yeah. Uh, is there going to be one guy that kind of steps up and sort of becomes Goff's go-to guy at receiver? Other, if, if not, I, these guys are just completely dismissible in, in you know, standard 12-team leagues. So, yeah, actually, finally, like a solid disagreement here. I think Perriman's one of the best values right now. It's just because if healthy, which is a major question mark, but mm-hmm. what you're talking about, Brandon, is like there is going to be plenty of targets for somebody. Uh, Jared right. Goff, as much as want to crap on Jared Goff, he made Cooper Cup, well, not made, but he allowed Cooper Cup and Robert Woods to be valuable. He's going to throw to Hawkinson and somebody. And and I'm not, I mean, yeah. including the fact that he's been among the worst, he has the worst the last two years of throwing the running backs. That should improve because he does have Swift and Williams now versus, right. you know, the options he's been dealing with. But Perriman has shown that he can be. Like, I'm now talking about Perriman as the top 20 wide receiver, I'm not talking about fantasy or real life. I'm not saying that, but if healthy, he is the clear option. Tyrell Williams was fun mm-hmm. a few years ago with Philip Rivers, but Tyrell Williams is conceivably in contention, as you just mentioned, with Quintus Cephas or St. Brown is like the number three receiving option, potentially even number four after the backfield. Really? So, yeah, the four, as in if you include the backfield. So tight end, backfield, Perriman, I mean, Tyrell. There's a floor. There's a floor to Tyrell Williams' performance. I mean, it, you know, I don't he think had anymore that one at this really point. big four straight year. He had the one big year when they were still in San Diego. He's given you four straight years of let's see, forty catches, six hundred fifty yards, and four touchdowns. Yeah, I see, he did that I just, last year too. Yeah, I did that I mean, last it's not, year. Miss, missing a, like like Pearman missing a lot. Or, uh, of time. Two, excuse me, two years ago. Two I years was like, ago, I don't remember anything yeah. from yeah. Tyrell Williams no, he, last he, he didn't year. Do anything last Tyrell Williams didn't play last year. Yeah. Twenty nine. Yeah, and, he, and here's the thing: is he's kind of a replicant of Brashard Pearman. They're very similar skill sets and what they bring. So I think if Pearman's mm-hmm. healthy, it just ruins what the like well, why are you going to turn to Tyrell you're going to turn for who's this is it Cephas or St. Brown so anyway that's what I'm saying it's just it, it doesn't sound like you can get a whole lot of news of how they're playing I just want to hear mm-hmm. that Perriman's not gimpy yeah I'm interested to see exactly what sort of uh, I mean honestly new... to, I'll say I, I could be wrong if we if we get Jared Goff and Tyrell Williams just look like they've played five years together we're going to have to mm-hmm. take that for something. You know, uh, uh, yeah. Jared Goff has That's to true. have somebody he likes. <laughs> That's true. That's absolutely true. Um, 
we're also going to get some great Dan Campbell quotes, probably. So it won't be a total loss coming <laughs> out like, of Lions training Was it like camp. murder him with a fish hook or something? <laughs> something random like that? Something, something, something crazy. Biting knees and, and just... We're going to get some great Dan Campbell football guy quotes. We know that. So shoulders Lions, or something? Lions, yeah. <laughs> Lions training camp is not going to be a total loss. The season is going to be like a 2-15 and 15 season. But uh, we'll at least get some entertainment out of uh, what they bring and what Dan Campbell brings. If only, if only Hard Knocks didn't have that... Uh, no new no new coaches ruled because that would have been Dan Campbell behind the scenes I think would have been pretty fun but <laughs> we're not going to get it maybe next year maybe next year because they can't they can't fire the coaching staff and the GM again right they can't go back to that well uh, this season we're going to go back to the well next week but we are going to call that a show for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast thanks so much for listening thanks for watching those of you who are with us on YouTube we are back with you next Monday until then have a great weekend. Go find yourself a favorite Dan Campbell quote tweeted at us, and uh, you know we'll all have some laughs. We'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs>